All right, you know the deal. The record button has been hit. It's time for episode three. Um, how you doing, Yash? How we, how we do? How you feeling? What's up, everybody? I'm doing good, man. It was a good day today. Great day today. My boy got an offer from a company. Hey, thank you. Appreciate that. Shout out. My boy uh, making moves out here in, in this climate, in this weather. So I'm proud of you. Yes, Start up in LA. Yes, sir. It's going to be fun. Um, speaking of fun, though, there's a lot going on in the NBA that I feel like we missed in these past three days without, you know, getting, jumping on our pod here. So absolutely. Take it off? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, Monday was a crazy day. We're going to jump right into it. Um, you know, CP3. I'll just start it off right now. CP3 was um, traded to the Phoenix Suns. Um, you want to go ahead and read read the deal, what he was traded for? Sure. Yeah. So Chris Paul ends up going to the, the Phoenix Suns. So the Phoenix Suns got Chris Paul and Abdul Nader. And then the OKC got Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen. Uh, nah, I'm not going to say that guy's last name. <laughs> Um, and then the 2022 first round pick um, from the Thunder. And this is a huge trade. I think this makes the Suns more competitive. It gives the Thunder a lot more pieces to flip. And I mean, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but Ricky Rubio actually got flipped to the Timberwolves. So, okay, so he's already capturing their value um, with these assets they've acquired. So it seems to be like a win-win trade scenario for me. Pretty crazy. Yeah, sure. yeah take it Pretty away, crazy. Man. I mean, um, yeah, so we saw this. We know this is just, like, crazy because there's so many memes about Sam Presti just being a freaking god, dude. Like, at this dude, point, so it's, like, laughable at the stockpiling of picks. And, like, it's great and everything and things of that nature, but it makes me wonder personally, like, where is he really going with this, right? We could talk about the, you know, the insane amount of picks he has, but, like, at this yeah. point now, like, what good does 17 picks really do for you? Like, that's great. Like, I, I, I was listening to Ryan Rasil yesterday, and he was just like, you know, it's you can win every minor trade. You can flip every player for a first-round trade. You can talk about the proposals like, oh, Kelly Oubre is worth the first because X, Y, and Z. Dennis Schroeder is worth the first because X, Y, and Z. Danny Green's worth the first because X, Y, and Z. And once you do that and you convince people they're worth a first-round pick, but the hard part is now building your team, which is all what all these other people are trying to do. And they might seem like short-term losers in this, but where are those first round picks going to go? Like I see a lot of tweets that are just like, wow, like Sam Presti turned um, Paul George, Chris Paul, um, Russell Westbrook into these stockpile of picks. But now then what, you know, like, yeah, it's great. I totally like get that. 17, it seems erratic, like over six years, we understand like you're open, owning the Clippers future, all that stuff. It's great for jokes. It's great for, <laughs> to look at in terms of a future, but you know, what happens when the future hits? What happens when it's 2022 and mm -hmm. Thunder fans are, you know, seeing the same 30 win team in their arena? You know, it just makes me question. And not that I would have questioned Sam Presti. It's just like, what's in this team's future? Like how, and do we even know the answer? Because, you know, that superstar in the 2023 class is yet to be found. Um, that first round pick, we don't know what's going to become, but this just obviously reminds me of the um, Celtics and the Nets trade. Uh, when the Celtics, uh, when the, the Celtics mm -hmm. traded Paul Pierce, Jason Terry and KG at the end of their prime. A ton of picks. Yeah. 
for a ton of picks. Actually, I'm going to pull that trade up um, and let you take it. But it just reminds me of that. And we know how that turned out. And the Celtics pretty much own the Nets future because we know how the Nets turned out after that. That's what it really reminds me of. Um, I agree with a lot of points you're making, but I think one thing to keep in mind is that the Thunder actually have a history of drafting pretty well. Like they came into the league, quote unquote, came into the league. Um, you know, I think at the end of 2000, uh, I think it was like 2008, 2009. Uh, I'm not able to like really like push it like a year on it, but from the time they've come in, like they brought in Kevin Durant, then they, they, they drafted Russell Westbrook got James Harden, you know, three MVPs, you know, and basically like a span of like three to five years. And then you go from that to drafting Serge Ibaka, Steven Adams, like the list goes on in terms of like how well they've done in terms of drafting players. And with 17 picks, you have 17 chances to get, well, you know, at least two of them, right. Um, exactly. Where like two of them can be like, you know, I think at least in some sort of a generational talent or some sort of all-star level type of player, um, especially when you basically own the draft for like years to come. So I think that's one thing to consider. Like, obviously I don't want, like you don't want Sam Presti to turn into the next Danny Ainge. And I say that because Danny Ainge is super stingy with his picks. Oh yeah. And he drafts a bunch of good guys and like they're doing well, but like I still feel that, they have to add an extra piece and they're not able to because of how stingy that team is. Exactly. Sam Presti is in this position now where he kind of owns the future and it's up to him to prove himself right again, by you know, making some great draft picks, recognizing the good draft classes and, you know, recognizing the value of some draft picks before others and, you know, packaging them in trades and make his team more competitive. Because to be honest, like, yeah. He has Shea, and Shea's pretty good. They have a good young team that a lot of people don't really – or people didn't really think about before the season started. But, like, you know, even Lugan Stewart, like, he played pretty good defense on James Harden throughout the entire series. They took the Rockets to seven games when, you know, everybody on their team was basically under 25 except for a couple of guys. Exactly. Um, which was namely Chris Paul, right? Yeah. So, I mean, looking back at this trade, like, Sam Presti, you're a freaking god. Um, you are a crazy good basketball executive, a crazy good GM, and you have somehow found a way to make a middle market team like the Thunder relevant in every single year of the NBA since yeah. the Thunder were conceived, like conceived. And yeah, that is no small feat, especially when you're in the West. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you have a good point where it really shows how confident he is in his, you know, drafting ability to where you know he wants to take on all these draft picks. Um, I was yeah. making a joke earlier, like when we were, you know, spending time earlier today, like, you know, why not flip seven of those picks for like a James Harden or a Kyrie Irving and stuff like that? You know, if that's really what yeah. is going to buy you like that kind of thing and, you know, really get, you know, a star level player. Um, yeah. It, it's just a lot. And so, I mean, we yet to be seen. I think it's like a TBD. I'm kind of more reserved about it because at first it was like, cool, like, you know, you're getting return on your value, which is what you're supposed to do when you're a rebuilding franchise. But, you know, and this gives you unlimited options. I get that with, you know, first round picks, first round picks, first round picks. You never know when you're going to use them. But we saw, we saw, this is almost repeated history with Danny Ainge and like, you know, first round picks are so valuable, 
but and then you know you get almost too overprotective of them no pun intended yeah of no, the picks right. <laughs> so you know we don't want to you know see that incident repeat but i trust Presti. I, I think he, you're right he is a god in every single sense of the imagination um i, I want to get to the phoenix side of this because we have uh yeah. maybe differing um points about this um you know Sure. We, I, I think CP3 is, is great. He had an all-NBA season. He was second-team all-NBA. Um, you know, they gave up Kelly Oubre and such. But, you know, looking at the lineup, CP3, Devin Booker, obviously, DeAndre Ayton is going to be their big three. Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, and then what? You know, so, I mean, I, I see what people are saying, especially with the play-in tournament that we saw updates from that. Um, I got mm-hmm. my mind switched up on that, that they definitely could make a push for the playoffs, and I think they will get sure. in the playoffs. But mm-hmm. I really don't think it's as concrete as people think because the West is loaded. It is, yeah. And um, I think that you are kind of underestimating the Suns team that literally went 8-0 in the bubble, had a very strong start last year uh, to the NBA season. And, you know, a, a big chunk of it is due to Devin Booker and their new center, DeAndre Aiden's also like a pretty damn good player. He kind of went under the radar, I feel like, last year, but he had he had a solid season. Um, like, I mean, he, he averaged like 18 a game, you know, and put together, you know, a solid collection of rebounds. You know, when, when you go 18 and 11, I feel like for like, what, he's a second year player? Yeah. He's like, that's substantial stats. And. Those are the two guys that you really need to worry about uh, if you're if you're like thinking about the Phoenix Suns. You add Chris Paul to that. Now you have a playmaker that's better than Ricky Rubio. Yeah. Like if they were this good with Ricky Rubio, just imagine how better how much better they would be adding an All Star point guard. Yeah. Um, you're also forgetting like you know Dario Saric is not a terrible player himself. Like he averaged ten. Like if you look down the list of like there's like four or five six guys here that have averaged over ten points a game on on, on the squad. Uh, you know, some of them, are, you know, like Aaron Baines is probably like, you know, he just became a free agent. But, you know, you, that's a bunch of above average players playing on your roster that can contribute on any given night mm-hmm. that can put you over the top. And when you look at other, other lineups and other rosters um, with other squads, you don't necessarily see that in the West. You have a couple good guys and a bunch of role players, whereas this team is kind of built on, you know, a bunch of really good players and a, and a young team that's motivated to win, especially since Devin Booker is such a good player. I think everybody's kind of excited and wants to see this guy succeed. So I think adding Chris Paul is the best move that they could possibly do. Um, they want to win now, get to the playoffs now. They have a young star. They want to prove to him that it's worth signing an extension in the future. So why not, you know, make a – full-on push for it and are you not concerned cp3 is going to retire in two years like what like that's my point like like maybe i'm spoiled because i'm used to like success and i just my team just came off winning a championship but i understand keeping the fans happy is important but this happens cp3's contract is going to come off the books we're not even sure he's going to get another one he might retire after this you're going to get bounced out of the first round twice so that's for sure the next two seasons we can like 90% Okay. 90% guarantee that for this season and the next, they're going to be bounced out of the first round. Then what you may keep Devin Booker, but you have a lot of puzzle pieces to continue to fill in. That's like 
what I'm thinking about. And like, I'm all for the excitement, keeping the fans happy a little bit, keeping your superstar happy and going to, you know, maybe keep him here. Like, Hey, Devin, you know, we're building for the future. We're serious about success. Bringing CP3 like did that. So give us another five years. He's going to say, yes, great. Devin Booker. And then what? Aiden continue to grow. Like where, where do you, where do you go from there? When CP3 retires? I mean, you, when you when CP3 retires, a lot of other NBA players are, you know, also nearing the end of their prime and the beginning of um, other younger players' primes will also start, like Devin Booger, Jason Tatum, Cat, arguably. Like, you know, every single young guy in the NBA now that's under 25 is going to be the one that's going to be taking over that mantle of, you know, the Russell Westbrooks and the James Hardens that, and the Kevin Durants and the LeBron James hold today, right? So, in my opinion, like, Devin Booker is one of those young guys that, you know, is somebody that I think would bring forth another star player to play with him. In two years, that's who you're going after. Those are the players that you want to get onto your squad. And if you're a Phoenix Sun, if you can show that you're a winner in these two years with Chris Paul, that adds to your credibility to sign a big free agent um, two years down the line and you know help extend the contract that Devin Booker has. I think um, that um like that's that that's i'm guessing that's what their plan is right because yeah i get it that chris paul could retire in two years but use these two years from chris paul have him be a great player coach to your to your guys you have a bunch of young guys that you're arguably you know keeping for you know cheap than you know what they could possibly get in other places even um i don't know i think it's a great move by the I, i just think that yeah, I see the optimism, and I just don't know. I just can't shake the feeling that Devin Booker was drafted in 2015. He's been in the league for five years now. DeAndre Aiden was another hit. Um, I think they drafted correctly, even though he was in the Doncic trade, which they'll probably kick themselves like over years to come. Yeah. In 2022, let's fast forward there. So you you talked about you know people are going to want to trade with him and stuff like uh, play with him and stuff like that. Dame and CJ are hit, and I'm not so. Your argument, how like what I'll say and I agree with, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton could be the best like one-two tandem since Kobe and Shaq, and everything will like like go crazy. Like if that's like the best case scenario, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. that's like the best case scenario. And they're like top three in the West, and you know their their development, they're gonna hit their prime, and they're in unison together. That's what they're probably hoping for. But I look at a team like Dallas. How did they get better? They traded for Kristaps Porzingis. How did the Lakers get better? They traded for. Anthony Davis. How did the Clippers get better? They traded for Paul George and in doing so got Kawhi Leonard. How did Rockets, you know, get better and, and, you know, make it to the final eight? They traded for Russell Westbrook and they traded for CP3. Yeah. And And see, one thing you mentioned with all those teams, bro, is the the one fact is that they all have made the playoffs and they're all winning teams prior. Exactly. And I think think that makes a big difference for the, for the Suns now, they don't have any credibility to their name. Devin Booker can score 70 points in a game and they lost that game. Like that, that has that just shows like they but don't have a winning game. But you're missing my point. No, you're missing my point. My point is in two, this is going to bring them credibility. You're right. I'm not saying they're not going to make the playoffs. They are. They're going to make the playoffs and they're going to exit in the first round. But the yeah. reason I brought up all those other teams is that, I mean, it's not, a, that's not my main argument, but first of all, the guys that they traded for, like those people, those pieces are there to stay. You know, they caught Chris Paul at a bad time and he's going to leave them in two years. And that is just an absolute fact, three years max. So in doing so, you have to accept the negative that that's going to happen. And you can't, 
just because you ascend to two first round exits and then someone retires, how can you expect anyone based on that prior success? Because not only are you asking someone to come to Phoenix based on that success, they're going to have to replace CP3's value. And then the fans are going to expect that team to not only sustain that success that CP3 left them, but also maximize that and also ascend to new heights. That's my problem. You're going to get them the, the eighth seed, the seventh seed in the shortened season one, 43, 44 games. That in a regular season, that's going to be 49, 50 wins. CP3 is going to get them there. They're going to win 48 to 50 games. So you're telling me you want a free agent, let's say, like you said, Jason Tatum, he's sick of Boston. You need Jason Tatum and Devin Booker in the loaded West to, after the Suns go down to 34 wins, which is what they had, even in an 8-0 bubble, 30 wins, get back to 45, 50 wins, and then also ascend to... 53, 54, 55 wins, and be expected to win in the playoffs with an entirely new player because CP3 and Jason Tatum are entirely different. Like, that's my point is, like, this is a great piece for the fan base in the short term. However, you know, for long-term success, you're going to keep Devin Booker. Your fans are going to be healthy. But what is I mean, this? There is no this does not attract – this, this, this doesn't attract anyone because you're subtracting – this, the second this, the second best player that got you to relevancy in the first place. So- I, I honestly, I, I, I see your point, but at the same time, like you're thinking about it in the sense that like Devin Booker is a constant, DeAndre Aiden's a constant, and Chris Paul is the only moving factor. Like if I'm, if I'm the Suns, I have to constantly be pleasing Devin Booker and making sure that he ends up staying uh, past his contract, which ends in 24. And no, but I'm nowadays- giving you the benefit of the doubt. I'm saying Devin Booker's going to stay. What do you yeah, do then? I- I'm, no, I'm giving you that. And I don't think that's something that you can like just keep as a constant because nowadays players can request trades and people can just move regardless of their contract. And so that's, that's my a, point. That's, that's a huge, my point. That, that's like a huge issue on its own that the owners feel like is an issue, but the player movement era is, is a thing. Like Anthony I, know, Davis I understand that, but that's literally a getting away had from the point. And he was like, I'm just going to leave. And I think that signing Chris Paul was a way of like telling Devin Booker, like, look, I'm here for you. Like, it was like the Suns basically telling him, like, look, like, we're here for you. We want you to win. We want you to get the playoffs now. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to win right now. He's trying to get to the playoffs as badly as possible, and he wants to be on a winning team. So I think that in the short term, yes, you're right. It is, it is a good movement in the long term. It could seem questionable, but there are a lot of people hitting the free agency market in 2022. There's a lot of people that they can try to attract. And if they can get Chris Paul off their books in 2022, now they can sign a max player that can kind of take that slot. They can afford paying someone that much. I mean, that's very hopeful thing. It's, it's, so my point wasn't about Devin Booker. I'm, I'm, in my argument, I'm saying Devin Booker's going to stay. DeAndre Ayton's going to stay with this team long term. I'm saying is who is going to replace Chris? Who are they going to get via trade or free agency that's going to replace CP3's value and the momentum that they created and take it to new heights? That's a whole process within itself. And you know what it comes with that process is setbacks. And so that's like what the point I'm saying is this is going to be a great two years for Suns fans. I'm not hating on them, but you know, it's also something to watch out in the future. We've gone way too far into that. So I'm going to move on to a minor trade. Uh, Robert Covington has been shipped to Portland uh, for Trevor Reza. Quick reacts to that. I think um, I don't, this is very crazy because I don't know what the Rockets are doing. Um, they're bringing Trevor Reza back, which we know uh, off today. It's going to, in a new location, but 
this is a great move for Portland. I want to talk it from the Portland standpoint. They get another three and D guy. Uh, you know, Rodney Hood was injured with an Achilles. I think this is great insurance for them. Covington's going to go to a winning team. Melo's a free agent, so we don't know if he's coming back. Covington's going to be yeah. a great three and D for them. Filling on that on that wing, I think it's an excellent move. He's still got a lot of years left. Sure, um, I agree with it on the Portland side as well. I think they made the right move. They got the right player. And Rocco is a really good 3D guy. He's the essence of what you would want, I guess, for any player. I, I, the amount of craziness that guy went through last season to, like, land up on a team, like, everyone wanted his ass. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah, and, and I think that he, you know, Trevor Rees is, like, literally the, the mirrored op, like the mirrored player he is, except, like, a bit older. So, yeah. um, I think it just – like I don't think the Rockets necessarily like from a Rockets perspective, it kind of looks like to me that they don't really know where they're going. They're kind of just making trades to like. Well, they're getting assets. They got a first round yeah, here. They're, back they're, for they're picking, like to me, it looks like they're picking up picks, but they're like not really like I'm not really sure what their situation is about next season and them trying to like make the playoffs and make a playoff push next season. The Blazers updated their depth chart actually to include Robert Covington. So he would be the starting three for them, which is awesome. And call Zach Collins and Nurkic would fill out their front line, uh, their front court, which is great. Um, they have Anthony Simons in the back, Gary Trent Jr. in, in the bench. Uh, Carmelo as the backup power forward in Whiteside. He's a free agent too, but that would be amazing too. So Gary Trent yeah, Jr. Really we know who has proven yeah. in the in the bubble. Um, yeah, so a kind of deep bench. I think if they can retain Whiteside, dude, he was leading them and my fantasy team in blocks last season. Whiteside may create a lot of memes, but he's really good for them. And he gets into foul trouble. He might be, um, you know, a little handicapped in that in that sense, but. They've got a nice squad, and without injuries, they and think about it. In two years ago, I'm a huge believer in the Blazers. Um, they were the third seed three years ago, and you know if Nurkic wasn't injured till February last season, they would not have been in the eighth seed. I can guarantee you that. Um, so great move for the Blazers. Uh, we I want to get back to Holiday because I feel like it's gonna be a great point. Let's talk about Al Horford um, to OKC, which was an amazing trade. Um, for Daryl Morey, the new GM of the Sixers, getting off Al Horford's books. He was the second um, most paid player on the Sixers. Um, we, were, we were talking about it earlier. I was making a point. The top five, like only five, play, five players on the Sixers make up $140 million on their payroll next season. And it's Tobias, Ben Simmons, Embiid, uh, Horford, and I think Josh, Josh Richardson. Uh, yeah. which is absolutely nuts. And, and, and the best part is, like, they, they were able to actually, like, we can just talk about Philly as a whole as a set for a second because I think talking about the Josh Richardson trade is also pertinent. So, I mean, if, if Daryl Morey obviously saw this and knew that he had to make some moves, um, if he had any chance of even, like, looking for James Harden. Um, and I think he did the right thing. Al Horford has a terrible contract, frankly speaking. They clogged up the spacing on the floor. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't a great fit. And moving him out of Philly to like a salary dump team, I don't know. OKC kind of became that team this year, um, and during this free agent, uh, this like trade period as well. So it kind of worked out for them, and they got to pick up a you know a center with some experience if they choose to keep him. But Josh Richardson, I think, is a is another move that is super underrated, but also just like. Uh, just a very good Daryl Morey move. You're, Amazing. You get they got Seth Curry in return, who is 
a better shooter statistically and a great defender who's paid less. I'm really excited to see Seth Curry. I was pulling up the stats in comparison. I'm really, really excited to see Seth Curry, um, you know, get some starter minutes. I mean, it looks like Danny Green is starting ahead of him. I don't know if he's playing for the Sixers. He might be shipped, but I think you're right. So if he gets more minutes on that team, looks like he'll be the sixth man. Um, yeah. You know, That's I, saw a tweet, I saw a tweet earlier. It was just like, you know, Maury's um, plan is simple. Uh, surround Simmons and Embiid with, you know, multiple, multiple shooters. And it looks like they have Bible as a starting three, which would be great too. So, um, you know, good job on Maury getting out of the books and stuff like that. Getting in Horford's books. Yeah. And and I want to say like one more thing is like right now they're like, I think they're poised to make a strong push for Harden and, and like have some good assets, but they're also poised to be one of the best defensive teams in the East. Yeah. Um, and and I think that kind of elevates their value. I don't know if this means that they make an Eastern Conference Finals push, but they're going to be damn hard to get through when they have so many different defenders at each position. Um, yeah. Well, I, they, they have some assets. I don't know if they go after Harden. I mean, looking at their team, I don't know what kind of picks they got back. They didn't get any picks back. They gave a 2020 second-round pick to Dallas in order to get Seth Curry. Um, yeah. And they didn't get any picks back. They gave – look, we were talking about the future. They gave a 20, 2025 first-rounder to OKC, which is five years from now. Uh, yeah. They were just so desperate to get off Al Horford's book and tag that along because Al Horford's contract was horrible. And they got Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson, which are two really nice young pieces. Um, I think Maury did a fantastic job and, and, and getting Seth Curry. Two shooting guards and actually three shooting guards, Ferguson at the three, which is going to be really solid. And Danny Green can be a good defender for them. Um, so good for them. Um, yeah. Quick note to Ariza got shipped to Detroit as well. Um, we don't know what the result of that is going to be. Um, but I, I think, you know, if he's getting shipped and stuff like that, I don't know what Detroit has in mind for him. Um, but, you know, I guess we'll just They're see. just salary dumping. Like that's, just that's salary whole, dumping, yeah. yeah. So they got a 2020 first-round pick um, as well, who turned out to be Isaiah Stewart from Houston. Um, and so if Houston gets a future first and 2021 20, second round pick. So they're just collecting assets, future first rounder. And then in the Covington train, they got a future first rounder as well. Um, so now I want to move into the huge trade of Monday, um, Drew Holiday. So the Bucks get shooting guard Drew Holiday and a 2020 second round pick, which was the last pick in today's draft. Um, and the Pelicans got Eric Bledsoe, point guard George Hill, a 2020 first-round pick, number 24, 2024 first-round swap, 2026 first-round swap, and then two unprotected on 2025 and 2027, bro. Yeah, so basically the main important part, Drew Holiday is going to the Bucks, And Eric Bledsoe and George Hill are going out, and I think it doesn't make a ton of difference for the Bucks. They're just cutting fat and adding some muscle. <laughs> They're putting, they're putting Drew Holiday in, and he's a good defender at, at his position. I think he's obviously an upgrade from the two guys that they had previously. But overall thoughts, I think it's a win for the Bucks. The Bucks gave up a lot, but they're showing Giannis that they want to win. They're ready to go for it. Uh, they're an all-in team. They're, you know, and, and I think for Giannis, you know, who is looking to, you know, possibly re-sign with them for the Supermax after this year, like – this could be their effort that they can allude to and be like, look, like we did our best to get whatever we could for you. And, you know, if we didn't win, like it's unfortunate and 
we tried our best. So just know that we will give you our 100% moving forward. So I think that the defense is going to be absolutely insane. My, my whole thought process is um, I see both sides of it where I, see, I first see the kind of like, um, you know, why so many picks? Like for Drew Holiday, who's 31. It makes yeah. not a ton of sense for me, but then when you add the Giannis factor, it does make sense to me. And then a lot of people are reacting saying they don't give their first rounders if they ha- didn't have any, if they had any hint that Giannis could be leaving. No way you give your 2025, 2027 future round pick, um, first round pick away if you don't know Giannis is staying. Because five to seven years from now, you know, if he doesn't sign the Supermax, like, you're not recovering from that. And that's going to be a very, very good pick to New Orleans. Um, so I think this was smart. I think the Bucks know something that we don't. Um, you know, the defense is going to be amazing, especially if Drew can stay healthy. Um, but it doesn't solve the issue about the offense. Um, Drew Holiday is another playmaker, but I question his ability as a scorer, not a playmaker, but as a scorer, which is what they're going to need on that team. Uh, we know Bledsoe struggled shooting the ball. We know Hill scored, uh, struggled shooting the ball. Um, so I want to see Holiday improve in that aspect because they're going to need that because Middleton's game is kind of ISO. He kind of played hero ball in that uh, playoff game, I remember, and dropped 40. He had a great beat to save their season, um, but it was a lot of ISO hero ball. I wonder if they, he can get um, easier baskets and such. And, um, you know, their defense is going to be supreme. Their defense has been outstanding the last two years, but their offense is where I really question. But, you know, the more the answer for, you know, deficient offense is maybe more defense. So I, I kind of see Wait, it that I, regard. I, I will say, though, like Drew Holiday is not a bad player. Like he averaged 21 uh, this like two seasons ago. And this last season he was averaging 19 a game. Um, if you're dropping 19 and six and 19 or like 19 and seven, like, I think that's a, like, he's a solid player and he's a he's solid shooting, player. He's shooting at a, at a 45% clip. Like, for but people. for three, three first rounders, I don't know if he's that solid a player and he shoots 71% from the line. I mean, yeah, but like, I don't think that you should look at that and be like, just cause he's a terrible free throw shooter that, you know, he's a bad player. Like, he's not I a bad player, but if you're giving three first rounders, which I think Griffin did a great job at, you have to really like analyze, you know, what this player is. He's 31 years old. He shoots 71% from three, three first rounders. What was given for Anthony Davis, who had an argument to be the NBA finals, most valuable player this season. And you get yeah, three first rounders for him. And I think Drew Holiday provides a value to the Bucks that they just couldn't capitalize on in the market today. Like, if you think about it, like, they're desperate in their own way. Um, oh, yeah. And I think for that reason, they offered three first-rounders, and David Griffin obviously saw that and obviously exploited it as well because the Bucks have something to prove. You know, they didn't even make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, they didn't make it to the Finals. And that's where they were expected to go, and losing to the Heat was a big deal for them. So – they needed to do something to change, and this was their way of changing yeah. um, to and step up and compete. And, we, I mean, it, it sets the precedent. Um, I was telling you this as well. Like, now that this move happened, what is the return going to be for Russ and for Harden for the Rockets? Yeah. Because these guys are, like, in their primes, obviously much better players than Drew. So obviously their demand is also going to be much higher. And the Rockets yeah. who don't have any picks for like the next four years, like they got to get something out of this. Right. And if, if true holiday got freaking five picks, 
Well, you damn well better see like ten picks or something for the for the Rockets. You know, I mean, you better have an Eastern Conference championship this season by the Bucks to show for it. I mean, if they lose to the Nets this season, who knows what the hell is going to happen? Because um, I do not want to be in that locker room. You know, if anything goes haywire. Um, Moving forward. Uh, you know, one recent one that's kind of of importance, actually, a three-teamer during during the draft uh, was the Nets actually got Landry Shamit from the Clippers. The Clippers got Luke Kennard, who's a good shooter mm-hmm. from the Pistons, and the Pistons got a, 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 the 19th overall pick um, in Roddy Magruder. Um, I mean, I, I see this as an all-around, you know, good good trade. I don't I don't really see, you know, from the Clippers' perspective, like what what they were really doing here um you know it it makes sense but to give up two assets even though one's a third string for luke Kennard, i mean i'm pulling up his stats right now it's kind of like a bad player putting up good stats you know i'm saying detroit is kind of like not the greatest franchise as we know i mean looking at his regular seasons he's averaging 16 4 and 4 and he shoots 40 percent from three which is great um you know, I hope the Clippers just have something in their back pocket and this isn't it because free agency is about to hit and I think they're banking on Rondo. Um, but, you know, this better work out for them. And, and for the Nets, I think this is amazing. They got Bruce uh, – uh, they, they got a guy named uh, Bruce Bowen, I think. Um, you know, in a different trade, Bruce Brown, excuse me. And um, and Shamit, Shamit, who's a proven playoff player. Um, I, I like it for the Nets. Yeah, I mean, I, I think – Shamit's a great addition. He's a young guy, 22, so he's definitely going to be like a, a solid role player that they need. And he really stepped up in the postseason for them when I think it was like pre uh, pre Kawhi and PG, right? And you know, you got you you got something you can get out of him. And with Luke Kennard, I think for the Clippers, they're just looking at a guy who can shoot threes. And I mean, yeah, they play, need that. Uh, yeah, they they just need a guy that can play the perimeter, basically, and. It's a big gamble because you're bringing in a guy who's used to losing um, into like a championship expectation team. I mean, Ty Lue, Chauncey Billups, they must have seen something in this guy that must have piqued their interest because, you know, I mean, I'm not doubting him, but he just hasn't been in a winning situation yet. And to bring in someone who's 24, young, he's, he's not, he doesn't really like strike you as a win now championship letter uh, level player, like compared to a Rondo or Ibaka or a Tristan Thompson uh, or a Gallinari. Can, yeah, that's I don't think you can put them in the, in the same position because like, dude, the guy's been in the NBA since 2017. Like it's not his choice to get to D, like the Detroit and play losing basketball. Right. Like he's doing the best he could, but that just me, makes me, me question like the Clippers. Solid improvement. I mean, when you look at it, like they didn't really have too much of a use for Landry. Right. Like Landry is like an overall good player, but like Luke Kennard has a better field goal percentage than him, but like four or five percent, right? And he's and you know his like three point percentage, like Luke's is like around the same, right? So you're getting a more efficient player that scored more for you know the Pistons. I think for them they're just kind of looking for like a change of pace and a guy who's like a little bigger, a little older to kind of play that position out. So exactly. So um, it's like, it's like a minor adjustment. I wouldn't like, it's not like a championship move or anything. No, it's not. I mean, but if you're making trades right now and you're the Clippers, the pressure's on. So any move you make has to be either, you know, a minor 
sh shedding salary, something of that sort, or it's supposed to be for irritation. And then my point is, is just like, I, I don't really see this, you know, moving the needle at all. I'm not saying, you know, you need to make a home run play, but I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I see this, you know, jogging a first, if you know what I mean. So we'll see. <laughs> um, so moving on, um, you know, big news today um, before the draft, Clay Thompson had a major, uh, major le lower leg injury. Um, a lot of people are speculating it could be the other Achilles. Uh, just to note, it, he tore his ACL on the left knee, um, but this was a right le lower leg injury. Um, so it's opposite legs, um, but people are concerned it's an Achilles injury because he could not put any weight on it after he left the gym today uh, after a workout, I'm assuming. Um, and, and, and just the biggest question is like, you know, we, he's getting an MRI tomorrow, but, you know, a lot of people are speculating, can't wait, you know, things of that nature, but what does this really mean for Golden State and how, and how they approach, you know, next season? Dude, honestly, I think Clay Thompson's injury, well, we don't know for a fact, but maybe that might be why they didn't trade or do anything crazy during the draft. Maybe that's why they ended up drafting Wiseman and taking him in because yeah, you never know. Like, if it is an Achilles injury, like, damn, man, like, what the hell are you going to do? You need to, like, protect your future. And at least them picking up someone – with the second pick, you know, which is probably going to be Wiseman anyways. Like, they can still deal him after. Yeah. Um, so, it was that kind of, like, just securing the bag for them in terms of the draft. But I guess in terms of, like, Clay Thompson and, uh, as an overall player, like, it takes two years to recover from an Achilles injury. And they can't rush him back because, like, you know, it's such a serious injury. And, and like, it, I guess it wastes time for the Warriors who are kind of in a win-now mode. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, especially since they have, like, Draymond and Steph. Um, who aren't getting younger, obviously. And, and the team that they have, like, they need every single player to be healthy to even compete for, like, a Western Conference Finals appearance or, like, a playoff appearance even. Like, yeah. do, the, do the Warriors even, like, make it into the playoffs as, like, a fourth or fifth seed? I think they're, no. like, a seventh or eighth seed right now. With Steph and Draymond? I mean, yeah. I, I don't even know if i give them that. If You know what I would say? If, if I'm the New Orleans Pelicans and I see this, I'm like extra motivated. You know, you never want to wish injury on any player, anyone in your league, because you know the NBA is a fraternity of guys. But you know, if I'm the Pelicans, like there is absolutely no reason, and you still have moves to be made in free agency. But with the Suns, you know, in transition, the Grizzlies losing Jaron Jackson Jr. for the season, yeah. and now you know the Warriors in confusion. Like there is no excuses. Absolutely I don't think no so. Excuses. No, no, no. I, I don't think the Pelicans are like making a playoff push particularly. Like, oh, they, they should. Just, they, they came close last their, year. They just gave up their best point guard. Like they they just traded away their best point guard. I know you think that George Hill and Eric Bledsoe are proven players, but like Eric Bledsoe was good like ten years ago when he played on the Suns. But and same with George Hill when he was on the Spurs. I, I mean, they have they have a good mix of young guys, but you're looking at the West right now and the teams that they have to beat to make it to the to the playoffs include like a guy led like a team led by a former mv two-time mvp and steph and like let's not count him out he's a freaking good player and then you got to be chris paul and the Suns, another all-star leading another team uh like a two all-star studded team right but like, and then you also have the kings that are like on your tail <laughs> no 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 i mean you, you say that but like marvin bagley didn't get a lot of minutes last season and because he's you know, injury prone and yeah, I just, like, I, I just think that, you, I mean, look at Devin Booker. Like, 
why can't some people in some people's circles think Brandon Ingram is better than Devin Booker? I wouldn't agree with them, but if what I'm saying is if I'm New Orleans, why can I not be confident that I can make the eighth seed? That's my whole point. Brandon Ingram made the all-star team um, not off an injury replacement and Zion Williamson, if he can stay healthy, if he can stay healthy and he was averaging 22 and seven in his sleep, let me just remind you that 22 and seven Yeah, for like a small sample size. I'm not going to believe that until I see like, performed on a regular he played 30 basis. games that's like 40 percent of the season oh, bro, come on he played 30 games he's not even playing full minutes like i'm not saying they'll make the playoffs for sure but there's no if if there's a serious injury and if there's phoenix you know has a new team there is no reason especially with the play-in tournament like people are saying like oh why can't phoenix make this play-in tournament there is no reason why i can't put new orleans in the 7 8 9 10 category and new orleans can be a real threat to sure. make I that. Mean, I, I that's mean, what I'm saying. That, and just win two games. You just have to win two games. Maybe, but like you also like if James Harden doesn't get traded off the Rockets, where there is a chance that he won't, and we'll get into that later. Like they're also a team he has to compete. Like this, like this Pelicans team has to compete against. Like the only team that's like getting counted out from last year that was like somewhat involved in the race was like the, the Spurs. Every no, the other Grizzlies team, are gone too. Yeah, maybe. I mean, not Jaron Jackson Jr. is injured. They're, that's their best, second best player. What do you yeah, mean, I mean, maybe? No, I mean, we don't know what we'll see from John Morant. I, I mean, you never know. John like, Morant cannot lead a team like into the playoffs by himself. They had a whole no, cohesive team. No, so I understand. I, there's no way. Team. I mean, yeah, and, and like for the most part, like I'm guessing they probably won't do anything, but. Bro, at saying, the end of the day, there's only eight teams that make it. So at some point, like, you have to come to the terms that, like, yes, everyone has a chance to make it, but there are only eight teams out of 15 teams that are going to make it. Like, people have to be eliminated. And, yes, teams may be better or good or something like that, but there are going to be cuts. Like, you simply have to cut. And the Grizzlies are simply not good enough. And the Warriors not, might not be good enough. The Spurs might not be good enough. The Rockets, if they trade Russ or James, it's over. So if you're saying they lose Clay, if the war, if you can't say if the Warriors lose Clay out of Stephen Clay that they knock them all the way back to the seven seed, but if James or Russ leaves, then they could still be in the hunt. That doesn't make any sense. James Harden is a freaking thirty-five points a game scorer, dog. Like, like each of them have led a team to the final, uh, to the not to the final, sorry, but to to the playoffs, like yeah. by themselves. Like it's not unheard of for them to just like go off and take a team to the playoffs, even if it's like fighting for that eight seed spot. But with like, this much competition and this much talent we've never seen before. I mean, you could say in that. Four, but like, four years ago, like the talent was completely like, you know, biased and sort of not spread out like this before. We're seeing tandems on every single team, even on the projected 14th place team this upcoming season, the Timberwolves, they have a tandem. The Kings think, have a tandem. Yeah. So at I, some I think, point, there's, the there's good teams. To a certain degree are like, poised to compete at a, at a higher level than the Pelicans. Like, you got a great player in Cat and, and D'Angelo Russell, who was an all-star, you know? You got That's what I'm saying. Young. So everyone has a case, but at the end of the day, we have to make predictions, and, like, some people are just simply better than others. I don't and think they're going to do that. Good. I think Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson have a case to be in the play-in tournament and win two games with their cohesion coming back a season together already in that cohesion. Um, is going to be awesome. Drew Holiday was great. Drew Holiday was amazing, but that Drew Holiday won team, games. That team was controlled by their young guys, and Brandon Ingram was their go-to guy at the end. Nah, I mean you could say that, but 
I just want to see like what jo- what what Zion looks like because his bubble play was like not exactly what people expected and I just think you can't read too much in the bubble because that's and I really like I think I think the A and O bubble story is like an extremely lazy argument because that is a different team with a different dynamic. You ship Ubre out, you ship you know Ricky Rubio out, I mean, who's Ubre part of that. Ubre wasn't even playing during. But the Rubio game. was. But Rubio yeah. was. Yeah. So okay. So now you're telling me that a team with Chris Paul instead of Ricky Rubio is going to play worse. No, but it's not. It's not mathematics like that. You can't. They're not going to play worse, but they're not going to start the season sixteen and zero. I can I agree with you. Chris Paul's twice the player. I'll give you even thrice the players. Ricky Rubio. They're not going to start out the season twenty four and zero. They're not. That's my they're, point. But, you, but they're going to have a strong start, and they're going to also like have a good mid and end up in a final like end of the season as well. They're going to have a. Good but we don't know that. We don't know that. The we do not know that because of the competition right of, the, the of the West. That, I mean, you can say that, but they in the competition of the West last season with the same team that they had in the bubble, they had a great start, and you know, they, they kind of fell off a little bit and obviously like it ended their season, but like you add an all-star to that squad, like you're, you have the higher chance out of like, if you're comparing the Suns and the Pelicans, the Suns have the better chance of making the playoffs. I just think the Pelicans are deeper. They're less proven. They're less talented. They're they're The Suns are more top heavy, but the, the, the Pelicans are more spread out with talent. I mean, it's not, I mean, this is all on paper. It's it's not going to, you know, it's not a sexy eye test, but I just look at the Suns and I see, I'll give you Chris Paul, all NBA second team. I'll give you a 30 point score. Devin Booker could win the scoring title next year. And you have a 20 point score in, and 10, 10 rebound uh, a game in Deandre. That's fantastic. I look at the rest of that team and I see, you know, minimal talent and G League talent. Now, in free agency, if they build out the rest of their depth, that's great. But you know who I see on the Pelicans? I see Lonzo Ball looking to prove himself. I see Josh Hart, who's a great rebounding guard. I see J.J. Redick, who can get hot in the first quarter whenever he wants. I see Brandon Ingram, who's an all-star and who has no signs of slowing out. Just like you state that Chris Paul's going to make that team better, there's no reason why Brandon Ingram can make the team better. Zion has to prove he can stay healthy. But if he's healthy for 40 games, you know he's going to go lights out. I see Derek Favors. I see Jackson Hayes. I see all these players. That's seven guys. I just listed eight guys. And those guys aren't even going to make the rotation. I don't even know if they're going to make the rotation. Yeah, but, like, you're, like, extremely high on these guys because they're young players. But, like, you, like if you just look at the facts, like, there are seven Young players, players who have played a year together. Yeah, but you look at the, so there's seven players on the Suns that averaged over 10 points a game. And there's, like, six players on, on, on the – on the current, on the last year's team. By so the way. why, so why, why is for the, for the, the so-all and be-all? I mean, it's not the points that are the set-all be-all, but I'm just saying, like, you get rid of your best, like your second best. Or your so can you n- score, name name the ten point scores on the Suns? Name all seven. You got DeAndre. I mean, you had. Well, I'll just give you, you no. Our Rubio and Ubre, two of them. Yeah, Thank Rubio you. and Ubre. Are gone. Thank you. But then you Thank still you. have Darius so Sarge. You have Cameron. Who's not Payne. on the team? Who's not on the team? Sarge well, I mean, is a free agent. Yeah, but like if you if you can get back Sarge and, and okay, first of all, like these are all marginal players. And I think Chris Paul replaces these players and makes them a better like a better team overall. Okay. Like, even if these guys don't come back, you're still signing you already have an all star on your team that can facilitate and make the other players on the team better and take over in late game situations and play winning basketball. 
is like, Eric is Eric Bledsoe and George Hill better than four through fifteen on the Suns? I honestly don't even think player Eric four to and George Hill will be there during training camp. I think they're going to get traded. Okay, that's a separate subject, but yeah, but I didn't even mention those in in the eight man rotation I listed. I didn't even mention Eric Bledsoe and George Hill. Even and George Hill has been to like, the finals. Even if you keep them, like I don't think that they get a ton of minutes because, like, if you're the Pelicans, you're looking to work on the roster you have and like make the most out of the young guys and like help yeah. them grow and develop. But doesn't that playing, take leadership? So why was Drew Holiday playing if if you need to make the young guys to develop? Because they had a chance to make the playoffs. Every, like last year when they came in, they had the like they had JJ Redick, they had Drew Holiday. So are they coming into this season saying we don't have a chance to make the playoffs? That's why they traded away Drew Holiday. Like no, that, that is false. How do you have an all-star and then not want to make a push for the playoffs? That's completely false. You trade Drew Holiday with Bledsoe and George Hill. How is – tell me tell me right now, is Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges better than Eric Bledsoe and George Hill? I mean, no, not right now. But I think that, you, like, it, it, they're going to get – like, you're comparing, like, those guys to, Drew, like, Drew – like, sorry, Eric Bledsoe and George Hill. But I don't think that – that's what the comparison you should be making. You should be making it to the front court that's actually going to play. Which front court like Lon- Not like the back court. So it's going to be Lonzo and probably either George Hill or like Bledsoe that are going to probably end up playing. Yeah, but and I think that's, that not, that's not our strength. That, that's not the Pelicans' strength. Booker, like, so let's compare really, Cam Johnson to Brandon Ingram. Really I can do the same thing. I think Devin Booker and Chris Paul are going to be better than those two guys. So tell me, is Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson going to be better than Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges? You want to compare the front court? You cut off there for a second. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, I think it, I think it went off uh, for a little bit. But my whole point is you you said, yeah, I agree. Devin Booker and Chris Paul are better than Lonzo Ball and Eric Bledsoe. Let's say you have the shooting guard. But Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, are they better than Zion and Brandon Ingram? No, not necessarily. Oh, so, then who else am I supposed to compare? They're the starters, right? You want to compare, you can compare. But when you talk about a team that's more cohesive, I don't think the Pelicans are going to be as cohesive. And I don't what? know how are they not cohesive? They have more players they, coming back than than the than the Suns do. Yeah, but like, how did they play when like you know you needed to count on them? They literally were losing every damn game to like not make the playoffs. Everyone. But thought, that was last season. You leave last season in the past, just like the Suns. You should leave last season in the past. Last season is last season. This is a new season. That's what you have to go off of. Like you can't just speculate off of nothing. It's you know? not like, speculation, especially when you make major moves for both sides. I, yeah, but the Pelicans didn't make moves where they bettered their roster. They literally traded away their like their bet their point guard. But they got two. They got two players that have gone far in the playoffs. They didn't get like assets. They didn't get rookies. So what if they went far in the playoffs? They got, Eric Bledsoe has been terrible. They got average players. Yeah, in the playoffs because he was on the biggest stage. But guess what? Eric Bledsoe won 66 games last season. That is a fact. He was part of a team that won 66 games last season and played major minutes. So you want to talk talk about impact? That's your impact right there. And so I was mean, George Hill. You could say that he had an impact. He just played on a major team. That doesn't mean that he impacted the team. He did. I, I can pull up his stats. Did he not contribute 13 points in a rotational situation to that team. That's my whole point. And then I don't think that those 13 points warrant him to be as good, if not like, like equivalent. So 13 points on a winning team isn't as valuable to like anyone on the Suns winning 20 games last season. 
So you want to you want to give Mikhail Bridges credit for you know averaging ten plus points per season and Dario Saric on a losing team, but Eric Bledsoe's points on a team that won sixty six games and the best overall record last season has no value. That makes absolutely no sense. I mean, he had he he wasn't doing that efficiently, was he? I mean, it doesn't matter about efficient. If you want to take Eric Bledsoe and um, uh, George Hill, it does not matter efficiently or not. I'll pull it up right now. Where'd it go? This guy was shooting 34% from three. Freaking, what is this? I mean, sure. I mean, it, it, he, he was shooting at like a 47% field goal percentage, which is, I guess, like, it's all right. It's pretty. I mean, it's pretty good, actually. So <laughs> exactly, that's my but, point, dog. But I, I don't. But I don't How think. I don't think it gets count? to the point. I, I. But I don't think it gets the Pelicans to the playoffs. Like they didn't. They didn't make this trade to win. Now they didn't make this trade to get to the Pel- Like to get to the playoffs. They made this trade so they can focus. Like and and like that goes like besides what my point actually is. Like this guy is not the guy that's going to be the impact player that gets him to the playoffs. That's not what I'm saying at all. So why are you arguing Mikhail Bridges is more of an impact player and cohesion and stuff like that? I'm arguing against your point. That's not the point. My point is I'm trading your impact players and my impact players. They are better at different sides of the court. Your backcourt is better than the Pelicans' backcourt. And the frontcourt is better than the Suns' backcourt. But I'm saying – the Pelicans have experienced veteran players that have all proven to be 12, 13, 14, 15 point scores on top of an established all-star on top of the best rookie and probably the best player for the next 10 years to come, potentially the next superstar in Zion Williamson and versus a Suns team where you have a 36 year old Chris Paul. Let me repeat that 36 year old was Chris Paul who has 18 months left in the NBA versus a 30 point and a 30-point Devin Booker, and a 20-10 and 10 guy in DeAndre Aiden, and the rest who are no names. If you mention okay. Mikhail Bridges to anyone in any household outside Phoenix, Arizona, they have no idea who the fuck Mikhail Bridges is, and that's a fucking fact. Okay, all right. So then what, what did George Hill do when he played on Sacramento, bro? Sacramento doesn't matter, though. Oh, what, he was an what impact player. He was an okay. impact player when he got to the Bucks, was he not? I mean, he I mean, what? right. Nine points a game, three rebounds, three assists in only 21 minutes? I mean, that's impact I think, right there. And you want to talk about Mikhail Bridges? Where the heck like is Mikhail never had the nine chance. Nine points in 28 minutes. 28 yeah, but, minutes is, mo- is like more than half of the game. Never had the chance. That's a lot of chances. No, I'm just saying like when you talk about playing on a losing squad, it's like a little different. Like these guys haven't seen a winning culture and – if you compare player to player, like obviously, okay, the Pelicans have, have are better on paper. So that's my point. Like, why don't I don't they have think an they're going to make the playoffs? Why don't, I don't they think they're going to make the playoffs? But you're telling because you're better on paper doesn't mean that you're a better. The team Pelicans have a better team team than the Suns on paper is what you said, and they don't yeah, have a chance to make the playoffs because because okay, defensively they're not there. Like that's just a fact. They're not they're not a good defensive team. But what is what what who on the Suns tell you they're a good defensive team? You have DeAndre Ayton. He's not bad. An anchor. Like is he a defensive player? He's like from what I've seen, he's a very slow and unreliable uh, defender. That's that's the word on it, by the way. I mean, I think that you know he's a good place to start at least for them to like build a defensive scheme around. Like he's a big center, and even though he may not have had the most impactful minutes defensively this year. Or last year, like I can see the team improving defensively by adding Chris Paul. The they traded their Kelly Oubre averaged nineteen 
and six for them last season, which you can replace with Chris, Chris Paul easily. Their fourth, they lost their third, their second, and their fourth leading scorer on the team for Chris Paul, who's going to like, like probably be their second leading scorer as well, if you want to bring up scoring. And then Aaron Baines is a free agent. Dario Saric is a free agent. And Cameron Johnson hasn't, doesn't even average nine points in 20 minutes. So, and I can, I can pull up, and then George Hill himself had nine points in less minutes than Cameron. And I, I could dissect this all day. All I'm saying is the age, the reputation of these players, George Hill, J.J. Redick, Eric Bledsoe, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart. Like, these guys are proven and who have been there and been in a culture. Cameron Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre, these are second-year players, dude. And you expect them – they can get there because of the leadership of Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I'm not denying. But you expect them to, like – I mean, Chris Paul took the same team to a fifth seed last year. No, he like, didn't. Shea Gillis-Alexander is miles better than any of those players I just mentioned. Yeah, okay, but – you have Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder is miles better. Danilo Gallinari is a proven veteran that helped them get there too. Steven Adams is a proven veteran that got there. All these players on the Suns right now are half those guys' age. Okay, first of all, DeAndre Aiden put up the same, like, he put up better numbers than Steven Adams. And, 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 and like, he has a bigger upside than Steven Adams does. All right? That's and, fine. Like, That's and, fine. And Delano Gallinari is definitely, you know, he was one of their key veteran players. You can't compare anyone to the Suns to Delano Gallinari. I mean, you can't, but you have a bunch of other players. And Schroeder. And Schroeder. I mean, Schroeder was good, right? Schroeder was sixth man of the year in in a lot of people's minds. Yeah. but So, who has the talent on I mean, the the Suns Suns had the cohesion. What cohesion? They traded their second and fourth leading scorer away. They ch- and they got Chris Paul, who's going to change the leadership. He's going to demand attention. He's going to be the player coach. How is that? How is that cohesion in any sense versus players that are coming in for a second season together? I named you seven players on the Pelicans that are going to come into a season where they already know each other. While a lot the Suns of other have stuff lost, that you're like not considering one. Like what? How is like, like how what? how is Zion how, Williamson going to be like? Okay, that guy, that's fine. Take him out. JJ okay. Redick isn't a leader. JJ Redick is a leader, but how Brandon long Ingram is a leader? season? And like, how does him being more aggressive because he's playing in a contract season affect Brandon Ingram's? But what does that have to do with cohesion? Play? You just mentioned what the hell? Does no, that like, have to do? like, no. I'm just saying, like, how are they going to move forward when like everyone on that team has look is something to prove? How are they? How are the Suns going to move forward? They're when looking they to have, develop, bro. That team is looking to develop. Is what I'm trying to say. And, and expected to win to 50 games. And expected to win 50 games. The Pelicans are looking expected. No, the to win Suns. 50 games. That's what people are projecting them to win, right? Six seed, fifth win. seed. Yeah, I think they'll win. How can the team develop and win 50 games? I'm that is not, not developing. I'm talking about the Pelicans. The Pelicans are looking to develop. They're not the looking Pelicans. to develop. They have an all star. When you have an all star, that makes no sense why you'd want to develop. There's nothing. Bro, to Brandon Ingram's scoring significantly reduced once Zion started playing with them. Like, they, they haven't figured it out yet, okay? Like, they haven't had a lot of games together where all of them were playing together, okay? And Drew Holiday was like their kind of like floor general. So now you have Zlonzo being their floor general instead. And I get that Eric Bledsoe and George Hill were like proven vets or whatever, but like just because they have playoff experience doesn't mean anything because J.J. Redick had the same playoff experience and they didn't make the freaking... That's one guy in like a role playing So what? Situation. So what? So you're going to have two other guys and like what are they going to do? Like 
If I'm a Pelicans fan, yeah, because CP3's CP3's playoff experience is like that much greater, right? He's a freaking all star, bro. Are you telling me right now that Eric Bledsoe and George Hill's experience in the NBA trumps Chris Paul's? Absolutely. Their experience? So- you just said experience? Abs- JJ Reddick's been to the finals. Call me when CP3 has done that. Okay, JJ he hasn't Redick been to the finals, but he's a conference championship. Dude, just because you sit in the freaking backside of the locker room and you're like involved is completely different from being the freaking franchise player. JJ Reddick was guarding had- Kobe 35 minutes a game. M- meanwhile, CP3 can't get out of the, out of the second round. Yes, bro, but he's the franchise player, okay? You're literally telling me that Chris What Paul franchise had- player? When was Chris Paul ever the franchise player? Okay, he was a franchise player on New Orleans, on, on, on the Clippers. How, how did that go for him? On the Thunder. How far did he go season. there? On the Rockets, he was also a franchise player. He was not a franchise player, but how did that go for him? Wait, how was he not a franchise, franchise player on the Rockets? Because he's, he's an M, a person on his team, won MVP while he was on the team, and how can so he be a franchise me, player? So you're telling me that just because you're the second guy on the team, you're not, you're not playing for, like, you're not the guy that the franchise is really Yeah, playing. you know why you're not the guy? Because you got in traded in 10 months. You came there and you got traded in ten bucks. He got months. traded. He got traded. Chris Paul got traded not because of anybody other than Farida. Farida wanted his. Farida and James Harden himself. Go look it up. James Harden himself. Bro, that's a. Even if James Harden wanted his ass out, like that wasn't the right move at the end of the day. Like you. Literally <laughs> well, you don't blame me. I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> so that, but he's not the bro, franchise player anymore. He got traded. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. The fact is the fact. He got pushed out. That doesn't okay. Just because he got traded doesn't make him the franchise player. When he was there, he had an what? impact clearly. He had an impact clearly. I'm not denying he was the second best player on the team, but there's one when you okay, talk about so franchise, he, there's a player that represents your franchise, and it was James yes, Harden. It was it was Chris Paul and James Harden for the Rockets. No, it was playing. No, it wasn't. You can't yes, have you two can. franchise players and then trade them ten months later. So How can you be a franchise player and get traded 10, 10 months later? He did not even know, get traded. What is a franchise player? You represent the franchise, and a person who represents a franchise stays there for multiple years. Dwight Howard so was a franchise player. No, Kobe Bryant so. was a franchise player. LeBron so you're telling me when, when Kobe and Shaq player. played together, it was like they weren't franchise players. Shaq was the, the franchise player because he was slightly better, or Kobe was the franchise player because people thought he was better. No, they both were franchise players for the league. In a year from now when Harden gets traded, is James Harden going to be the franchise player? For what? For the Nets or for the for Rockets? For the Rockets. No, right? Because he left. So when things change, you move on. You transition. Well, if, there right? was no, if there's no one playing... If Harden's not playing for the Rockets, obviously he's not the franchise player for the Rockets. Exactly. So Shaq is not the franchise player anymore because Kobe's still playing, and he's the next guy up. No, but right? I'm saying that when they all were playing together, they, they both are franchise players for that team. Those Kobe, was on his, Kobe was ascending. Shaq was always going to be the franchise guy. That's great. But things change when the franchise guy is unhappy, and he pushes his way out, kind of like how Harden is doing right now. And then, oh, who's this guy? We have I another think- star budding. We have another star budding in the future. I- I it's Kobe Bryant. Oh, how long are you going to be here for? Okay, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005, Shaq gets traded. Oh, shit. Fast forward five years. Kobe, you've won us two championships in five years. I think you're, you're probably the franchise player. It's probably safe to say. Chris Paul, congratulations. You've been traded from the Clippers to the Rockets. That's great. Uh, couldn't get it done in 2018. Uh, couldn't get it done in 2017. All right, we'll see you later. Franchise player? How is that a franchise player? You were required for two years. Rep- you were on in Houston for 18 months. Who the hell can call you a franchise player? I think Tell me were, one were, player who's been on a team for 18 time. months. Tell me one player that's been on a team for 18 months and was called a franchise player. Well, he was he, he was the guy though. The freaking he was the second best player on that team, bro. You like if you take James Harden out of that, he was the guy running the floor. He was the guy 
doing everything. Like, just to say that he's not the franchise player. He's not, he got you know, that's why they call franchise player, not franchise players. There's cornerstones, and then there's, a, there's the franchise player. It's not multiple franchise players. I think you're looking at it from a cultural perspective, and in which case I agree with you. But I'm talking about it from freaking a player perspective. and like In a player idea. perspective, no one refers to themselves as a franchise player. They are the, the if you're the if you're one of the two best players on the team, I think that you're the franchise. You're a leader. Especially. You're a leader when it comes to basketball. You're a basketball leader. There's two leaders on the Houston Rockets, CP3 and Harden. Yeah, but when you talk about when who, you have two superstars on a team, they both are your franchise players. When you look at the Lakers, head, if you're in the if you're in the if you're talking about the, the Lakers right now, you're talking about you got you got Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Those are your two franchise players. Those are the no, guys you no. Currently, your franchise player is LeBron James. And your upcoming franchise player for when LeBron transitions. You're, you're what? Your upcoming franchise player. So the guy is still a franchise player. He's just correct. He's just James Harden is your up. franchise player. And if James Harden wanted to retire or leave or something and CP3 was still there and putting the team on his back, he would be the up- upcoming franchise player. But that didn't fucking happen. No. You, if Anthony Davis, the way you're looking at it. If Anthony like, Davis gets traded next season, was he ever the franchise guy? No. He was never the franchise guy. LeBron got MVP. LeBron had all the stats. LeBron had everything. He is our franchise. He represents everything about our franchise. Anthony Davis helped him get there the most. When you talk about LeBron's teammates, he was the most valuable amongst his teammates. They literally built an entire team around Chris Paul and James Harden and then competed and got to the Western Conference Finals. No, they built a team around James Harden because he won an MVP, arguably could have won two MVPs. I don't. I don't think that Chris Paul got added there by like a fluke or like the. Tell idea me another that- system where Chris Paul was surrounded by shooters because that's what you know he 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 works best around. It's not. Chris Paul was literally arguing during the Western Conference playoffs, saying there needs to be more movement with Mike D'Antoni. There wasn't more movement in the offense. And that's where they clash because Chris Paul was fed up and couldn't play the offense anymore because Mike D'Antoni predicated that offense around James, who was, you know, the greatest ISO player in the league and predicated around with him with shooters. That's what you do for your franchise player. You're still building around Chris Paul and James Harden, though. I agree. They're your cornerstones. They're your leaders. But when it comes to a franchise, if you are in the Game of Thrones... talking about it from a cultural perspective. No, not cultural cultural perspective. perspective, It makes total sense what you're saying. It's not cultural perspective. I don't think it makes sense when you're talking about it in the sense like, I see franchise players as your two best superstars. No, that's not a franchise player. That are like their own brand. Like they come in... No, a team can have multiple superstars. No, I think Kyrie and Katie are both the franchise players for the Brooklyn Nets. I no. think that LeBron and Anthony Davis are the franchise players for the Lakers. No, and I think the franchise that when Kobe and Shaq used to play, they has both represented one franchise the franchise. Player. No, when Penny and Shaq played together, they both represented the Magic. You're completely okay, wrong. It's hilarious. No, I'm not. What are you wrong? I'm completely You're completely wrong. wrong. This is how I view franchise players. No, it's, it's, there's no such thing as franchise players. There's a franchise player, and then superstars on a team. There's tandems. There's duos. There's leaders. There's you know our, our number one, number two guys. So the people we the, the two guys LeBron we build around the, the leaders. LeBron played on the Heat when LeBron played on the Heat. He, there were arguably two franchise players on that team, and then the third guy was the fiddle, who was Chris Bosh. What? No. I, think, I to me, Dwayne Wade represented. He's Miami. the franchise player. I agree. And, and LeBron was no, also a franchise LeBron player. No, 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 no. That's why it's subjective. Dwayne Wade was always that franchise guy because he's been there the longest. That's why I'm giving you Shaq was the franchise guy. 
But guess what? If Dwayne so Wade retires, if Dwayne Wade retires and LeBron carries that franchise forward, guess what? Dwayne Wade's out of the picture. LeBron's your franchise so, player now. So, so you're telling me LeBron wasn't the franchise player when he played in Miami? No, of course not, dude. Dwayne Wade came with that franchise first. That's what I'm saying. When Chris Paul came to the Rockets, he was not the franchise player. James Harden inherited that, that franchise I feel first. Like this is a subjective thing because your I said qualification that. for a franchise player is just like somebody who's been there for a long period of time. No, and represented that franchise and, and, and competed and is clearly the better out of the two superstars in that team. It's a clear distinction. Who's the better player? Is it Chris Paul or, or James Harden? Well, LeBron not is even better a question. than Dwayne Wade, according to your same argument, and then you're still taking Dwayne Wade. Yes, because of the longevity. If you combine longevity and talent, it's clear. In 2011, it was arguable that Dwayne Wade was actually third in MVP. You could argue in 2011, Dwayne Wade was at the same level of LeBron James. And it wasn't until, yes, it was. Go look at the facts. And guess what? After they lost that finals, after they lost that finals, Dwayne Wade said, we're not going to be successful unless you take the keys from this, for this team, and you lead us. So he had to let go of that ego and said, you know what? You need to take this team to where it can be. And guess what? They won two championships. Chris Boss was the obvious third option. But that first year in Miami, the reason they, they didn't meet their goal is because Dwayne Wade and LeBron James didn't know who to defer to. They would take turns, and it would be messy and confusing. Who's going to take the last shot? Who's going to take it? And you can I still every think Dwayne that interview the both right of there. them, I think, I, think, I think that in that same situation, you still got two franchise players. That's how I see it. I see it as the two best guys on the team that represent the team the most. Mm-hmm. All right. There's like, no such, go ask anyone. There's no such thing as multiple franchise players. Go ask I see go, multiple, go I, anything. I mean, like, I think Chris, I think, what is it? Paul George and Kawhi both represent no, the franchise. Not, you know why they don't represent the franchise? Because is Kawhi Leonard in trade talks this summer? Are people making memes about trading Kawhi Leonard? No. Bro. Paul, Paul George literally two episodes ago. What did you say? What did you mention two episodes yeah. ago? You considered moving Paul George. Do you move I a franchise move, guy? I consider moving, I consider a franchise moving player? Paul George, but like the reason being is because the guy actually got traded, and like you're not gonna trade away freaking Kawhi Leonard. Why? Why? But if why? But okay, I can also make why? the counter argument that no, no, you no, no, would no, no. Why won't you trade him? Well, you won't trade Kawhi because Kawhi Why? literally came on the predicated fact that Paul George was going to get there. Like, but that doesn't mean he leaves. And he's there's on a been two, multiple reports that Kawhi he's is on a frustrated. Two plus one deal. Like, he's on a two plus one deal too. There's so multiple. Like, there's multiple reports that say Kawhi was very frustrated with Paul Pierce's, uh, Paul George's performance. Yeah, but they're not going to trade Paul George. I argue that they probably will. Like, in that same vein, I still think that they would have a higher chance of trading away Kawhi Leonard than Paul George. Next season, they have a higher chance of trading Kawhi Leonard than Bro, Paul George. Bro, do you know how much they gave up for fucking Paul George? At this point, like, they have to come into the you game. You literally said two episodes ago you'd be willing to yeah. deal Paul George. I'm, will, the I'm willing Hart. to trade Paul George because I think that – I think that not James Harden, for Russell Westbrook. And I think that Russell Westbrook would be a better pairing alongside Kawhi Leonard. How many – have you heard any Kobe's. reports – how many reports have you heard that Paul yeah, you're George gonna, might be traded? Dude, there are no reports that are freaking true that Paul George is going to get moved. But there were there rumors, rumors that Paul George could be moved? By media and general media. Well, that's just that's just them speculating out of their ass, bro. But that doesn't mean that but that's is actually going to happen. But has there been any speculation Why? out because of their Paul ass about Because Paul George is a franchise Kawhi. player who got freaking – who literally the Clippers gave like so many goddamn picks. My question is, there sure any, the is there, has there been any speculation out of any media member's ass that Kawhi Leonard could be traded? Yes or no? No, but that's because you also okay. heard My nothing point, from exactly. Kawhi. Exactly. No, but, like, no, but exactly. like, that's also because – 
you people make the argument that Paul George played worse than Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs. That's why people are looking to move him. It has nothing to do with the fact that oh he's not the franchise guy. Like the the whole point of getting Kawhi and PG is that they both are like two sides of the same coin. You got two way two great two way players um, who do certain things better than the other person, but they're basically the same player. Kawhi's obviously more reputed because he won two championships, right? One with the Spurs, obviously that had a better team, and then, uh, it, I mean, Kawhi also like had a great team in Toronto where they where they won. I don't and, think you could. I don't think NBA you can say, trade rumors. Clippers are looking to trade Paul George. Like these are official reports, like that are legit. I'm gonna do the same thing and replace Paul George's name with Kawhi Leonard, and I'm gonna see if anything comes up. But from a logistical standpoint, you know they're never gonna trade Paul George. No, I'm not saying that at all. But the mere fact that people are the first link that pops up, Kawhi Leonard reportedly steps up to lock in OKC Thunder's Chris Paul. So this is a, the first link I search when I search Clippers, um, Clippers trade Kawhi Leonard rumors. The How first link that pops up, this is about Kawhi. This is about Kawhi Leonard calling Chris Paul to come to the Clippers and make a reunite. So we can completely dispel that Kawhi Leonard had any rumors about being traded. Right. First thing I looked up, uh, Paul George. There's scenarios. There's all these things. So my point exactly is so that you're telling me that just because people think that Paul George, I mean Paul George, this is the thing. These are reports. These are legit run. rumors. So what do you call rumors? We we talk about rumors all day, and some of these rumors can become true, right? Yeah, but I think that that's like the same thing with the whole thing about James Harden going to Brooklyn. Like that's not gonna happen. People people think it's gonna happen, but the reality is like. What the? Why the hell would the Rockets do that? We can transition to it. So, so the no, upcoming. I mean, I mean, we could talk about it, but like, all I'm telling you is, like, with the whole the whole thing about the franchise player argument, I don't think that Paul George is any less of a franchise player than Kawhi Leonard. I think there's a reason why the Clippers gave literally everything to get this guy under their team. Wait, he didn't produce, so they're willing to deal him. Yeah. Wait, the, but what you no, no, said no, but right you're there, making no sense because what you're you making said no right sense. There makes all the difference. He no. didn't produce. That's why they're looking to deal him. Not that, oh, Paul George is not a franchise player, and that's why we're going to get rid of him. Paul George yes. is a franchise player. No, he's not. No, yes. he is not. He is he, not a franchise player. He is a franchise player. Maybe he's not the franchise player on the Clippers right now, but he. So you're he admitting he's not the franchise player. Well, the Clippers. They committed to Kawhi first, but at the same time, <laughs> but at the same time, I would put. I think I think the two of them are equal, man, and I think the two of them are the franchise players. Who's better? Who's better, Kawhi Leonard or Paul George? You just said they're equal. Who's who's a better basketball player? Kawhi, quick, Kawhi Leonard or Paul, Paul George? Quick, ten seconds, four seconds, three seconds. Who's better, Kawhi or Paul George? Who is better at basketball? I think two the seconds. Same. I think they're the same. You can say what you want, but like I think they're the same, like. <laughs> Arguably speaking, like Kawhi has never suffered an injury as gruesome as Paul George's, and Paul George is more athletic. Kawhi is a better defender, but Paul George is a better shooter. Like, has Kawhi ever played one season where he was in the top five for MVP voting? Yes. He's had like a couple, I think. But like, <laughs> why would you ask the question? <laughs> Yeah, but no. Well, my, my reason, my, my thought process is that I like he doesn't have as much consistency in the regular season. That yeah, Paul George regular does. season matters. So, I just want to recap. We went from 
me not believing the Suns are that good to me believing, you know, the Pelicans actually have a shot. I don't think and the Pelicans have a shot. We went into the playoffs, man. I mean, it's like this one o'clock at this point. This like, we hilarious. decided to make this play- podcast like an hour. This is hilarious. No, because we uncovered the in. truth. We went from DeAndre Ayn, all that stuff, to Pelicans, to Eric Bledsoe, to George Hill, to discussing about the Rockets, to discussing about franchise players. And we have concluded that you believe that Paul George is the same level talent and caliber player as Kawhi Leonard. You think, so. you, think, you think Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are interchangeable. So I'm, I'm not even going to say anything else from that. But um, we were going to no, get to so James wait. Harden. Well, hold up. We gonna, hold nah, up. Hold up. Hold I, I, can't, hold I don't even want to like. Hold up. What's your reasoning for thinking Kawhi Leonard is a better player? If you put Kawhi, if you put Paul George in the same situation that you put Kawhi in on the Spurs, you don't think they would win a championship? Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. Are you kidding? I want you to go look at Paul George's postseason numbers. His fourth quarters have been absolutely abysmal. You want to talk about regular season, this regular season, that, and I'm the biggest Paul George fan there is. I am the biggest. You know I'm a big Paul. Admit it. Admit it. Say it right now. I'm a huge Paul George fan. Drew, no, in I mean, general, just say it right now. You know how much I talk about Paul George? I do. Okay. Like yeah, it, that says it enough. Sure. Paul George, his last about. three seasons, look, look at his playoff exits. Begin that. Let's, let's just begin that. Fine. Don't give Kawhi Leonard the 2014 finals MVP. Put that aside. His playoff finishes, are you kidding me? Do the Toronto, forget, forget the Warriors because you know you can call that a fluke. He got over the MVP in Giannis, he got over Jimmy Butler in the greatest on-paper team last year in the Sixers in the playoffs, 47 points, dropping this, dropping that, with the subpar team with the rising Siakam. Paul George they had were a not a MVP. subpar team. Hold up, hold up. They were not a subpar team. Are you kidding Are, me? They were, do you see how well they played this year without him? Like, Siakam is – like was a significantly better player than people. Because he improved. Kyle Lowry stepped up. Not because he improved. Like he, he he got more shots. Okay, okay? so but this Kyle Lowry is getting away from our like point. A really good point guard. That's great Fred because their system as well. A really good point guard. But but Serge that's taken away from our point. So you're no, talking about his value away. No no no. no, no you're talking about his value. Not a good team. But like the no, they're an excellent team. They have parts who stepped up. But yes, they're an excellent team with Kawhi leading them. And people okay. So Paul George got traded. Paul George got traded to the Thunder. How did the how did the Pacers do? You want to tell me? I mean, Paul George got traded. Got Paul George. Me. Paul George got traded to the Clippers. How did the Thunder do? The, exactly. The thunder, I mean, the, the Thunder, the thunder didn't have did the better season, than last right? season. Yeah, they did the same. They lost in the first round. And they had the same output. And guess what? Guess what? The Raptors. The Raptors. The Raptors had a worse output because Kawhi Leonard got them to the finals. You, you can talk about winning the finals. I, I don't have to get into that because the Warriors and stuff, but. The, they lost in the second round without Kawhi, and that is you pure put, fact. You put Paul George on that same Raptors team, they, I think they would make it out of the East in no, the same scenario. Not even look at look at Paul George's playoff numbers. He is absolutely garbage in clutch games. In elimination games, his field goal percentage is absolutely garbage. He does not show up in big games. You can talk about the Pacers, like Game Seven against LeBron, whatever it is. He doesn't show up. His, his Shooting numbers are abysmal. One for nine games. I'm talking one for ten games. Whatever you want to call it, horrible. His playoff like, history if is you look at horrendous. Them overall, if you look at them overall, like just on a statistical level, they're averaging the same in the playoffs. That's fine. And guess what? One has a ring on ring. 
uh, as the leading man on the team and another guy has been out of the first round many seasons. So yeah. after his gruesome injury or whatever, he's been yeah. out of the first round twice. Yeah, but like, okay, he played on Indiana where he was literally averaging 27 and 28 and 15 through seven. And where did that take him? Where did that lead him? But like, he was doing everything. And if you look at those rosters, like they didn't have amazing players on those rosters. Has, has Paul George won a Defensive Player of the Year award? I mean, he has not. And I think Kawhi's obviously a better defender, but I think Paul George is, also has a better output offensively. Like, not it's not it's not even close. You can look at the stats this season. Why why isn't Paul George's stats you know of the same level as Kawhi's? Look, Kawhi Leonard had a really good like finals run in 2019 that arguably cemented him as like one of the best players in the NBA. But I wouldn't say that you can look at that one finals run and just just decide that he is as like. He, he didn't perform this season, you know, uh, when they needed him to. And, I mean, he played better than Paul George did, but that's also because the team didn't really understand the dynamic and, like, they didn't really understand how to, like, you know, involve everybody and, you know, get, get things going offensively and defensively. So I'm, I'm just going to say that I think the two of them right now on the team that they're playing for are in the same level. So you think even after he absolutely like stunk it up in the playoffs, you, you like you don't you don't you don't care at all. Like glaringly so to the point where his team has had rumors where they are willing to trade him. Bomber's willing to trade him and not Kawhi Leonard. Let's make that clear. Like I mean, I don't you know still how think they're at the same rumors, level. But I think I think for the Clippers right now, in terms of the entire franchise player argument, Paul George is one of their franchise players. Like, you gave up so much for him, you're going to try and keep him and get the most value out of him. In fact, you have him longer than you have Kawhi, don't you? Kawhi's no, on you a 2-plus-1. Kawhi's on a 2-plus-1. I think you, they, they signed Paul George, or at least they have Paul George for, like, I think three years. I need to look because... So... Kawhi Leonard finished fifth in MVP voting last season. In 2016, he finished second. In 2015, he finished 10th the year before. In 2019, he finished ninth. And last season, he finished this, uh, this past season. I'm loading it up. My computer can't load all this stuff. My point is, he's been the best player 100 times more, more active than Paul George. All, Paul George is not an, has not been an all-star starter till like last year when he had one great season. I'll give him that. But it's not even close in terms of accolades and what their ability is. I think if you were to put Paul George in the same positions. What maybe position? Not what position? No, not, maybe not on the Raptors, but I think if you put him on the Spurs team that Kawhi won a championship with, I think Paul George would have done Well, yeah, with team. the greatest power forward of all time. I'm not even referencing that season. That's my point. I'm not even referencing that season. You're saying, I mean, overall. I'm talking about 2015, 2016. Overall, Kawhi has had a better career than Paul George. Then why? So, then but I think right now, right now, in the, in the state of the NBA right now, in the, in the state of the, of, the, of the Clippers right now, I think that the Clippers are a better team. I mean, not a, sorry. I think the Clippers are, they have two franchise players who are somewhat similar in their play, and they're doing the same thing. 
And I think one makes up for the other in different strengths and weaknesses. And that's just the, they, I think, I think that's the truth. Like if you were to compare stat for stat, I mean, obviously Kawhi is going to pull, pull through. And I, I was wrong about Kawhi not having great, great seasons as like a, in the regular season. Um, that might've been recency bias on my end um, because, you know, he's had some interesting moments with the Spurs towards the end of his Spurs career, but. So Kawhi Leonard has played one less year than Paul George. And he has made the all NBA first team twice and the second team twice. And Paul George has four third team selections and he's made first team once. So the same level into the heading into this season, it's, it's really not comparable. Like, but you're, you're also talking all. about a guy who played on a contender for the majority of his career. Who? Right. Kawhi played on a contender for the most for almost every single year of his career. Did he Paul George not go to the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron like every single season? When he was when was he on a bad team? He was with another MVP. It's not our fault that they faltered in the first round with home court to Portland and Utah. Uh, post that that, that, that was that supposed to be a competitive team. And I, and I think that that, that kind of changes things a little no, bit. No, it too. doesn't. No, it doesn't. He had an MVP. No, no I don't give him the, a pass at all. Absolutely not. Because you know what? After his injury, he was playing better than before his injury. And that is a fact. Go look at everything. There's no excuse. You cannot come back from an injury and play better and be like, oh, man, that takes time. And stuff. No, I refuse to buy that. That's absolutely horseshit. He got injured for the 14-15 season. He came back the year before. He was averaging 21.7 and 6.8 rebounds. And he came back averaging 23 a game in less minutes. I mean, there's a shot better from three. I mean, there's, there's obviously there's aspects that you can attribute. I don't think just because you score two points more that you're a better player. Two points more, more assists, and more rebounds. So he came back a better player, slightly better player. Shot better from three. I I can agree that he came back slightly better. But I also like. I mean, I'm talking. He said this, not me, bro. He said himself. Like, talk about a guy who came back from injury. Like, it's like it's tough out here. Like, and like. He alluded to the fact that his injury, his shoulder injury and shit, was like what well, fucked him up, and that's the reason why he didn't have like a great run in OKC, and he didn't play well, and that's the reason why they didn't have a great like run during his time there. In Indiana, he like like he went to the Eastern Conference Finals every year, but you're going against LeBron James, like you're not like that's in and of itself. Like he was never a better player than LeBron to like take a team against LeBron and win. So you said same level. Kawhi averaged 27, five assists, and seven rebounds. And Paul George averaged 21, four assists, and five rebounds. Where? On the Clippers. You're talking about this season. Yeah, but Paul George was also, like, not there for, like, half the season, bro. And neither was Kawhi with his resting. Paul George played nine fewer games than uh, Kawhi. And, and, And also, like, so they played the it, same level. I and, but yeah, but I also like want to point out that like they didn't have a lot of cohesion as a team to be. So in. how is that? But how is that against like how is that for Paul, Paul George? George? No, and Paul George plays better off the ball than Kawhi. So obviously Kawhi is going to be the guy that's going to score the ball better. I think. I mean, if you look at the system, the system favors Kawhi a little bit more in scoring output versus Paul George, right? 
but shouldn't Paul George, if he's on the same level, be able to get his own? If if they're on the same level, then why is there option number one and option number two? Why can't they be one A, one B? Anthony Davis. What this Anthony Davis talking about? This is literally the Clippers' argument, bro. Like, I'm giving you the Clippers' argument. Do I necessarily agree with it? No, but I do. Think you do. That you literally said it on your own that they're literally the same level player. I, I, I think they are the same level player. I think they're, they're the not. I'm proving you with facts that they're not. Dude, they've literally been playing like they both provide the same value to the team. That's this whole system, game. the whole system on the Lakers favors LeBron. But guess who leads them in all statistical categories during the season? Anthony Davis. So there is no distinction. People on the Markeith Morris literally called Anthony Davis the best player in the world. There were MVP debates for Anthony Davis. They are 1A and 1B. It's much closer in that regard. If LeBron didn't have the career aspects and the career accolades, if you wiped the 2016 championship, if you wiped away the 15 all-NBA MVP everything championships from LeBron and he was like starting fresh and putting up these numbers, you would have a legit debate. Who is the better player on that team? If you stripped LeBron's accolades away from him. I don't think so. Absolutely. That's wrong because it's simply wrong because of the way the Lakers played with him on the floor. Like it's, it's significantly hurt. Like in terms of value, when LeBron, like that was the whole argument for the entirety of the Lakers season, how if they don't have a playmaker, they're screwed. That's not LeBron James. He was the guy facilitating like all their offense. And he was the guy facilitating it to who? What do you mean facilitating it to who? He was like the guy that was literally their floor general for the entire season. Floor general, probably, you know, passing it to who? I mean, who's their main score? He wasn't just passing it to Anthony Davis. I, you can't, you can't just make that argument. He wasn't getting the the majority of his eleven assists to Anthony Davis. No, Anthony Davis averaged more points than LeBron James during the regular season. Yeah, and, and I mean Anthony and Davis so? got his own, but like I'm talking so... about LeBron created shots for every single player on that team. That's right? great. Yeah, and he made the team significantly better. I'm now, not. I'm not here to. I'm not trying to argue who's better, Anthony Davis or no, LeBron James. I'm like, just saying reason the reason we're having this conversation. One Finals MVP in the in in the NBA Finals. I'm. I agree, but guess okay. what? There was still chatter that there was like a debate in during game game one, two, and three. There was a debate, during right? Games one and two, there was, and after game okay. three, to okay. five. Okay. Right. But if you put Kawhi and Paul George on that pedestal, it is a clear distinction that Paul George is the second option and Kawhi Leonard is the first option, period, full stop. There would be no discussions in the finals. Oh, man, you know what? Paul George is actually, you know, kind of outplaying Kawhi Leonard. Should he be giving a look at MVP? No, not at all. The decision was much closer, and that's why they won the championship. So on the same level, it's not. I I think you can see Paul George giving 40 in the night and and Kawhi having a quieter night. And I think that's totally okay. That's totally okay. I'm not denying that. Chris Paul can go for 40. If you look at a box score, Chris Paul can have 40 and James Harden could have 29. I'm not denying that. But I don't care if Chris Paul drops 40 in three straight games and James Harden doesn't. Everyone's going to say James Harden is still the better player and in a different tier than Chris Paul. You have to be careful with how you define these players. I still think that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard right now if, are still okay. playing on the same I think level. your point is, and I'll give you a chance to change your argument. If you can say peak to peak, like Paul George at his peak, MVP caliber Paul George, like 2019, is on the same level as Kawhi's peak, which is 2019, then you would have a better argument on two separate teams. When, when Paul George was on the Thunder and clearly that number one option, and Kawhi Leonard was on the Raptors, clearly that one number one option, you would have a you would have a point. But 
I, I mean, I, come I, together, I just, one has to be one and two. And it's been clear by their play who is one and who is two. And guess what? That distinction is not as clear on the Lakers. Yeah, but the Lakers are were just a more cohesive team from the start. The it's Clippers not about cohesion are, at all. No, I'm not talking about, about the team. No, it's not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. How does anyone else on the team have to do with LeBron AD's relationship? How does anyone else on the team have to do with how Kawhi and Paul George play? They can play as shitty as they want. The Lakers have the worst supporting cast in the fucking league, and we all know that. But who won us that championship? LeBron and AD. I don't think it was the worst supporting cast, dude. Okay, but you get my point. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter if the rest of the team is playing like shit. They were hog garbage. We understand Lou Williams is the worst playoff performer of all time. But if you're a star, and if you were given four first-round picks to get there, then Kawhi Leonard and Paul George should be able to elevate you into at least the third round. And they didn't do that. Because there was a clear distinction, and Paul George didn't show up. I mean, I get that this season Paul George choked, and I totally agree with that. But I think that in general, the consensus with what the Clippers want and what the Clippers want to see, and what I think currently is that the two of them are the same sides of, are two sides of the same coin. And each of them have their advantages, but they both provide the same, the same dual threat value where they both are two-way players who can play defense and score the ball. And when when they both are playing at their peak levels, you will not be able to tell a clear difference on who's better. That's their main. That's their main argument. Now, is that how it's? Is that how it works in actuality? Obviously, it didn't this season. But you're changing between. I don't know. I don't know what argument you're making for who, because you're making the argument. My argument is that Paul George and and Kawhi Leonard are. I don't know who's this day argument you're making it for. I guarantee you ask every Clipper fan in the fucking nation that will tell you Kawhi Leonard is a better basketball player and is not on the same level as Paul George. Peak for peak as well. I think that moving forward for the Clippers and like when the Clippers signed Paul George, he was to be that second, the second option, but also the guy who could take over games. Yes. Instead of Kawhi. But that doesn't mean they're on the same level. There's a reason he's second. If they're on the same level, you call it an equal duo. You call it they, equal they are, back and forth. But there's always a, a clear one and two in every situation. I, I don't think there's a clear one and two in this situation. You don't think there's a clear one and two on the Clippers? I, 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 no, I, I understand that Kawhi is the guy. that like I get what you're saying. Like Kawhi averaged more points. Kawhi is everything. But in terms of them going like being the go-to person, like, I don't think there's a clear one and two. Like You don't get the ball to Kawhi first and get him to score, or you try to get the ball to Paul George. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think at the end of the day, like, it doesn't really matter in the sense of, like, who you want to get to to be a go-to scorer or the go-to guy to make the play. I think they both will make the play for you. I think, I think, I think when you come down to the fourth quarter in the playoffs, I trust Kawhi more than I trust Paul George. And if Paul George can prove otherwise, then I understand. But I still think that the two players have the capability of producing the same results. I'm glad – you got the last word in because I'm. I think we have to cut it right there. We've got on way over than what we expected. It's fucking one nineteen, bro. Holy shit! And um, you know, thanks for tuning in to the third uh, <clears throat> episode of this. We went way sidetracked. We couldn't even get to James Harden, which is okay. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. We will be back very, very soon, sooner than you think. Um, this has been the Uncharted Pod. We're gonna come up with a new name oh for you guys gosh. later. Definitely Uncharted, though. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, very uncharted. We we went on a, a rough draft over there, but we'll see you guys. We'll see you guys sooner than you think. Maybe tomorrow. Who knows? Peace, peace, y'all.
yep, see it. 